Hi, I am Nicole J. Georges. I am a queer, feminist, vegan cartoonist, teacher, and advice columnist living in Portland, Oregon with my half-blind chihuahua, Ponyo Georges. <coughs> Welcome to our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Today on Sagittarian Matters, we answer valuable advice questions with cartoonist Liz Prince. I peripherally have known Liz Prince for at least a decade. However, we became good friends after I stayed with her in 2013 on tour for Calling Dr. Laura, where we wore matching blue zip-up suits that Liz called night-night suits. We have since traveled together gone to residencies together, table together, and I just like her. Um, so the bag over the head thing, I like that we're having a podcast where we're reliving a text conversation that we had with each other. We could actually just read the text. <laughs> you could our... read the text. We have to obey the name, I think. Um, it came up because uh, a certain male cartoonist had had probably in jest uh joked that you were in love with him mm. um and then what did you say and then you i really want to do this <laughs> i tried to clarify to him that even though i pay him a lot of attention i'm not trying to actually molest him i just enjoy his presence no but i was like he probably doesn't he probably doesn't love me he just wants to like cut off my head and fuck the hole. Oh, because he's like our friend. Well, you're looking it up right now. I am. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how much we text. I thought this would be like right there, but it's actually like I'm having to scroll through a lot of things. I have a lot um, to say. Um, yeah. You said he probably wants to cut my head off and fuck the hole like our crumb. <laughs> and then you said, P.S., I think that text just clarified how I feel about most men in comics. And I said, he probably just wants to put a bag over your head and masturbate onto your ass. <laughs> because he seems like the non-violent type to me. <laughs> I think that that is pretty accurate to how it feels being a woman in comics. And then we came up with the hashtag, not all men want to put a bag over your head and masturbate onto your ass. Hashtag, some of them want to cut off your head and fuck the hole like our crumb. Um, hashtag, it's actually nicer that way if you think about it, saving you from having to remember an awful experience is chivalrous. <laughs> Hashtags that are 140 characters, go. <laughs> I think that's a catchy hashtag that's going to catch on. I think, yeah, I think it really actually, you know, but I really feel like that's actually throwing the men's rights movement a bone, you know? <laughs> I don't... By including not all men? Well, by, by, by basically giving them a pass and saying that, yeah, like, really awful behavior, you know, like, if you cut someone's head off and fucked the hole, they wouldn't... <laughs> memory of that so it's actually more chivalrous than you know god which is more chivalrous i don't know <laughs> people call in with your votes 
What? But I mean, I always feel like I have to clarify. I don't hate men. I don't hate all of them. Not all men. (laughs) Not all men. Hashtag not all men. I mean, I don't know if this is your experience, but for me, 999 times out of a thousand when someone says, you should draw a comic about this. It is like this, the worst idea I've ever heard. Well, I've, I've had conversations like that with other people who draw comics. Like they'd be like, oh, you should draw a comic about that. And I'm like, no, that's like a you comic. You should draw a comic oh, about yeah. it. Um, no, it'll be like my sister and something marginally funny will happen. And she'll be like, you should draw a comic about this. You know, what's interesting is that um, our good friend Aaron Rainier, like out of the blue, you know how he's like very touch and go as far as contacting you goes. And then i like out of the blue, I got this phone call from him and he left me this very long voicemail that was like, I had this idea. You should draw this comic where like you and Wolfman and Dracula, like kind of like go around solving like supernatural mysteries. It would be like really funny. And I was like, that's not a comic. Like at all. <laughs> that sounds like Aaron using you as a character and inspiration. I mean, I think he should do that. I want him to draw that comic for sure. <laughs> that, that would be a very rich comic. I would draw that. If he doesn't buy the rights to that, I'll take it. Okay. I'll we can start the bidding. $50,000. God damn it. Um, I recently, so one of my ex-girlfriends got, I'm doing an autobiographical comic. She got downplayed to being a friend there's too many girlfriends in there already and mm-hmm. then i told her i had to change her appearance because there's too many white people with glasses that all look the same so i changed mm-hmm. her appearance and she was like what and she's like i feel like i'm never gonna get my due from you it's like what is your due <laughs> what are you talking about it was the person who was called owlette in invincible summer and i was like she wants you to do the do she wants me to be like this is the most amazing woman i've ever met you know what? This is my one comic with no plot, no tension. Any this is just an ode to the best person I've ever met in my whole life. I'm waiting for that book to come yeah. out. Wouldn't you love to read that? That's the one. I'm yeah. I want to read a story about where nothing happens at all. Well, I told her I was like the only person who's gotten more comic time than you is Radar because she was such a monster when we dated. And we had so much conflict <laughs> that of course it was in the story. But you don't really, you don't really put, you kind of anonymize guys when you're writing bad things about them, don't you? Yeah. Me? Sure. Do you not? <laughs> like when you're drawing them, I mean, do you think like this is like a photograph? This looks just like him. He's gonna be so embarrassed. Uh. I mean, I don't, I don't think I really mess with someone's appearance so much. I do change names. Um, You know, when you think about it, like the only people who are actually going to know who that person specifically is, is someone who probably already knows the story anyway. Like, you know, uh, and that was something that when I was writing Tomboy, I was thinking about it and I was going through, I looked at my old yearbook from ninth grade And there were all these people whose names I had highlighted, uh, supposedly to remember something about them. I do not know who the fuck, like, 90% of those people were. And I was just thinking about how, like, oh, I was so afraid of, like, 
giving away something about someone from high school, but like probably most people don't remember like who I was friends with. I don't even remember who I was friends with. I mean, except for the people who were like really close to me, you know? Uh, It's just one of those things where it's kind of like, how much can someone actually know about your life? You know, like while you're translating it, like, people actually sit around and go like I know that person wow or is it like oh there's another bearded guy that Liz dated like I just see them as a stand and I'm like this could almost be a composite character of three different bearded guys that Liz dated yeah sometimes it probably is I mean they're all the same like the character Kyle is obviously a composite of like 12 guys you're dating at the same time Actually, Kyle is completely fictional. He's completely fictional. Yeah. It's you. Sometimes you hire this like male model to stand in with you for photographs, and you're like, male model. you're like, look, he's <laughs> real. That's great. I love that. He'll be so pleased. Fake <laughs> Kyle will be so pleased. I want to answer some advice questions with you. All right, sounds great. Because obviously, I've proven that I uh, can give good advice from this conversation that we're having. If there's one thing I know about you, it's that you give good advice advice what is really getting your goat today like what of all things is driving you nuts could you hear that yes someone asked what is really getting our goat today what of all things is driving us nuts yes yes what is driving you nuts that's not advice by the way i don't you know honestly today nothing is driving me nuts it's been pretty low-key today I haven't even really left the house. Everything's groovy. Yeah, today is a it's a good day. Uh, I mean, I guess something that's driving me nuts is that it's like 55 degrees and raining out. And uh, I'm a big winter fan, so I would prefer it to be like 30 degrees and snowing. Oh, So it's kind of driving me nuts that it's been warm. Uh, it's supposed to be like 69 degrees on Christmas Eve here. That's crazy. And I'm not like Bill and Ted. I don't care about that number. No, no. I want it to be cold. Do you have an opinion about 69? Do I have an opinion about it, like the number or the act? Either. It all just seems very juvenile. I'm like, I've ascended uh, the need for sex. I, you know, I think it's all very juvenile. It's all juvenile. It's so animal. Everything about it, you know. It's so practical. Yeah. Um, I don't know why people would talk about 69 like it's like the ultimate thing compared to any other sex thing. It's I not like it's significantly just... better than any other sex thing. It's I like know just... people who really, really dislike it. I've dated people who are like, no, absolutely it's, not. It's stressful. It is. It, you know, there's <laughs> angles that happen that are just not that pleasant. It's like snapping your fingers and chewing gum and walking it's like too many it's like rubbing your head and patting your stomach at the same time yeah too much (laughs) i would prefer to have nothing happening nothing i would prefer to have nothing if somebody was like let's 69 or nothing (laughs) nothing (laughs) you'd be like put my put my good thing i didn't take my pants off (laughs) let's go to sleep um what's bugging me my landlord is bugging me, and I have PMS, so I'm actually the best person to ask this question to. Because he's bugging, people are bugging me so much that I'm at that point where I'm like, well, fuck you. Like, my landlord's bugging me, so then I was like, I'm going to call him and tell him he's a slumlord. 
and then I'm going to put a sign in my yard saying he's a slumlord, and then I'm going to make flyers and put them around the whole neighborhood telling everyone he's a slumlord. The other thing on my mind was that I realized I would rather, I said this to someone the other day, I would rather sing I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus a cappella in front of a room full of men business executives than make a first move. Really? Yeah. If you were like, go in here, no microphone, just sing I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus to all these like stone cold sober businessmen or over here have to like make a first, like lean in to kiss somebody who like you're not sure if they're into that. <laughs> I would be ta- I would be pretending I knew how to tap dance. I would be trying to hit the high notes. Why do you think that is? Is it a fear of rejection? I guess so. I, saw I mean, I guess it would be pretty, I, I don't, I'm trying to think if there's ever been a time where I've like tried to kiss someone who wasn't into it. That's never happened to me. No one's ever like turned their head and been like, no. <laughs> you know, actually one time someone tried to kiss me on the cheek and I leaned in and turned it into a mouth kiss. <laughs> it's like your grandma. <laughs> my grandma and I went uh well that was a time when 69 or nothing it didn't work out that way but um it was on the tape that was on the table yeah (laughs) my we have a very untraditional family um no but yeah why that and you know I really thought this guy like really liked me uh but I guess he didn't really uh And so I was like, oh, this dude I have a crush on, um, kiss me. This is awesome. And then, you know, like we hung out a couple times and nothing else happened. And I was like, oh, I really, I really like you. And he was like, I know, but I just want to be friends. And I was like, I know. I was like, I was like, but you kissed me. And he was like, well, I was trying to kiss you on the cheek and you turned into it. Um, but but then a couple months later, we, uh, started going out. We dated for three years, and I wrote a book about that relationship. Of course. Wink. Wink. <laughs> Wait, what is the winking? What does that mean? Well, you know, I'm trying to keep people anonymous. Oh, I see, I see. People are fans of my work, and they know what my books are. They can probably guess which book that is. I can, too. Wink. Um, it was the Adventure Time. It was like an Adventure Time comic. Yeah. I yeah there's never been a time where I tried to kiss somebody and they're like oh my god <laughs> what's happening please stop but I have a weird molester complex for no reason where I'm just like really afraid that I'm crossing someone's boundary where I'm like maybe they're just being really friendly maybe they're just like a very tolerant person and they're just being really friendly and that's why they're standing here so close to me at three o'clock in the morning maybe that's what's happening like I will defer to every other possibility not like they want this dick. I was uh, I was taking the train home last night from work, and there were these two, a man and a woman, across from me. And the man had just gotten to town from somewhere. He had like a you know roller bag with him, and I was kind of trying to like figure out what their relationship was. And they kept doing these. They they kept like touching each other, but then like stopping. Like they would like pat each other's knee and like leave their hand there for a longer and then take it away. And I was like, are these people dating each other? Is there some kind of ambiguity? There was a lot. It, I just felt a lot of sexual tension. And I was watching this, and I was like, oh wow, I really I wish I could know what this story is. Did you jump in, or did you ask? Um, 
I think I caught them. Uh, I think they caught me looking at them, kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm a looker. It's okay. Just a real looky loo. I feel lucky, Lou. Excuse me, what is the nature of your relationship? I'm so confused. I actually wear uh, these big headphones that I'm wearing right now on the train a lot, but uh, sometimes I'll wear them without music so I can like listen to people's conversations without them knowing that I'm listening to their conversations. And then, like, you get really into your music and you just start, like, headbanging so it looks yeah. really natural, like yeah. you're listening to music. I, like, do a whole, I dance, you know? I get really in people's personal space, but it's okay. Sorry, they sorry. I'm listening to music. The music's so good. So sorry. Hi. My name's Jervinette, and my cat died about a year and a half ago. Her name was Fat Judy. And I'm wondering when the right time is to considered adopting a new pet. Thank you. I'll take my answer off there. Thank you. When is the best time to adopt a new pet after your other pet eats the dust? Eats it, not just bites it, but totally (laughs) digests the dust. Digests the dust. Um, I mean, I really, I feel like the answer to that is when, when you are ready. How will you know? Uh, I think you'll just feel an emptiness in your life that you know can be filled with a pet because that's really the only kind of relationship that actually matters. Like Wolfman is my, she's my person, you know, and everyone else can eat the dust as you (laughs) so eloquently (laughs) said. I am a writer. Um, I, when I got Ponyo, it was like way too soon, but I just had to, I was still sad about Beja, my life partner dying, mm-hmm. but I was, I had a moment where I was like, I might never stop being sad about Beja. It's possible that I will never stop being sad about her, but in the meantime, do I have enough, I don't know, re- emotional resources to love this animal in the meantime and be able to accept care from her? as I grieve Beja. And she was significantly different than Beja. Like she wasn't super, I think if she had been high maintenance, like Beja, if she had been like a bad dog and high maintenance and took up all my resources and wasn't just like a pleasant little fly Mm -hmm. zooming around, it would be different. But she just brought me extra joy as I went through the grieving process. So yeah. When, like when you're, and also when you're not going to project, with a dog it's different, with a dog you don't want to project a bunch of sad and secure energy on them. But with a cat yeah. you can kind of do whatever, right? Cat you can do whatever, the cat will be like, yeah, I don't, water off duck's back me. <laughs> That's what I think. And then I think when you're ready, you go to the Humane Society or the rescue and you say, who's the best dog here? And then you throw some of your, your breed ideas out the door. And you see who's there and see if they're a size you can deal with and if you get along with them. But that's how I found the best dog is by asking the people that work there and not... Because I went there to see a different dog. I went there to see a poodle. And if I would have stuck with that, I would have gotten this really fucked up poodle. <laughs> but instead, they're like, what about this like little fugly chihuahua? And I was like, Gross. But then she was so good, I was like, I should listen to you guys. I like I like that story. I like that idea of like kind of getting rid of your expectations and not being married to like this ideal oh oh what a dog would look like, being open to what it actually feels like. Yeah. 
Hi, Nicole. Um, long-time reader, first-time caller, because I didn't know you had a podcast till just now. Um, anyways, my question is this. What advice would you give to somebody who – well, okay, I'm going to stop talking hypothetically. What advice would you give to me? I like having sex with hot girls, but I don't want them spending the night at my house unless there's my, they're my girlfriend. I just don't like the, like, fake intimacy of it or something. I don't want to snuggle up to somebody um, – I don't know, but I don't know that well, but I'm perfectly willing and stoked to have sex with them. So I'm pretty upfront about it. Like, I'll say, yeah, it'll be fun if you come over. And after we're done hanging out, you know, you're going to need to go home. But I think people think I'm kidding or something because then when it's like we're all tired from having sex and then I'm ready for them to leave, it usually just kills things and then I don't hear from them again. Well, let me know what you think. Um, Thanks a lot. Bye. That was a good one. That was a good one. Wait, we're. I am. I am actually the opposite of this. I am like a fucking clip-on panda koala snuggler. <laughs> I will, like, somebody could be like, "I hate you," and I'll be like, "Well, will you just sit still for a minute? I'm just gonna like <laughs> hunch up on you and just cuddle for a while." Like, I'm just. You're like, can we still spoon? You can be like swearing <laughs> under your breath and hate me, but you know. So wait, Liz, what would you say? What would I say? She wants to have sex with girls at her apartment. She wants them to leave afterwards. If you were currently 69ing a lot of people at your house, but you didn't want them to spend the night. I have never had that experience. Um, I usually... uh, it's not that I've never like just had sex with someone that I wasn't interested in dating, but uh, I've never been like, well, actually that's not true. I have been like, Oh, I wish this person wasn't here, but asshole kind of, I'm like, well, we did an intimate thing. It feels weird to just be like, now you have to leave, you know? Um, God, I don't know. That's a tough one. I guess it would depend on like, are you trying to be in a potential dating situation? Like she said that she didn't want them to sleep over unless they're her girlfriend. But does that mean that she's sleeping with people, but kind of being like, we're casually dating, but maybe at some point we will be seriously dating. It's a, it's a, I've never, I don't know what to do in that. I mean, I guess be true to yourself, right? That's what chicken soup for the soul, chicken soup for the lesbian soul would say that. Wait, what if you, if we, if we put you into this, this world, if you were going to go to somebody's house and you liked them and you thought you were going to go to home base, um, how could they say, I want to do this, but I don't, I'm not really ready for a sleepover yet without you getting so butthurt that you never talk to them again? Well, I think that the way that you just said that, I want to do this, but I'm not ready for a sleepover yet. Um, I think that mm. that actually says exactly what you need to say. Uh, when you say something like, I'm not ready for this yet, it does. It sounds a lot different than, yeah, I want to bang you, but then I want you to just be gone from my plane of existence. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, I'm going to agree with my own advice. Yeah, as that was great. By you. You, and also, it's like keeping the focus on yourself, saying, what do you want in the situation? Instead of telling them mm-hmm. what to do, like, just expose yourself a little bit and be like, 
yeah, I want you to come over. I want a bone. But I'm not ready for a sleepover just yet. It kind of is a thing for me. Yeah, I like that. You know, and then they'll be like, are you serious? And you're like, I'm pretty serious. I'm kind of sensitive. So that's it. Whereas I'm the opposite. I'm like, did you bring a sleeping pill? Do you want I was like, we're having lunch. Do you want to sleep over? Because I would love to cuddle. <laughs> Ponyo can sleep under the sheets on my side, so she's not in between us. <laughs> this is one about um, hmm. vegans. You're never going to guess who left this. Hello, this is JoJo from Kentucky, and I have a question concerning my um, vegan friend. Um, it seems that last winter, uh, for the solstice, I had made a root roast, and in the preparation, I had grabbed the wrong stick of butter and accidentally grabbed the real butter instead of the fake butter, the earth fifty wheel or something like that. And I was wondering, um, well, my friend bobbled it up. She was at home with leftovers, and she thought it was delicious. Um, I never told her. Um, do I tell her? And should I feel bad about hearing that judge from? Uh, she made like she made food with this real butter for her vegan friend. Yeah. Was it for Last you? Year. Is she admitting this to you? That's what it sounds like to me, since I kind of know the caller, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you feel about that? I would say no. Don't ever tell them. You know, like if it was like if it was somebody that had a sensitivity, like they were actually a celiac, and you put gluten in their food, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Why do I feel so sick?" Then you could say, "Hey, whoops." But if it's like an ethical thing, and it's a year later, and they didn't notice, let it die with you. Yeah. Don't tell. You should feel bad. If you're asking how you should feel, you should feel bad, but don't tell them. Yeah, I guess unless it, unless it's like the kind of thing that like for some it's like your anxiety thing that you think about when you're when you can't sleep. You know, you're like, oh, I, I, I accidentally gave this vegan real butter. And it's like something that like is for some reason like you're you're having like cyclical thinking about it if you feel like saying something to the person being like oh my god i realized this happened and it's been like haunting me i'm sorry maybe that will get it off your chest i don't know depends on the severity i guess i would just say i would like tell your cat just put a wig and some glasses on your cat and be like nicole i put butter in your food and just hope for that <laughs> how would you in. now can i ask a, a follow-up question mm-hmm how would you feel if somebody actually called you and like, what if I was like, Hey, Nicole, uh, when you came over to my house and I made you that those vegan tacos, they accidentally had real cheese in them. What would you, I just, I feel like as a vegan, people are often trying to put their guilt on me. Mm -hmm. Like people feel weird about vegans sometimes. So they'll either, try to get me to lessen their guilt about something by being like, I was vegan, but then I'm not because of this and this and this, like, mm -hmm. or they'll be like, I was vegan, but then I just love like Twix bars. Mm -hmm. So I ate a bunch of Twix bars. What do you think of that? Like, I feel like people are always trying to like get in my emotional space about being vegan. Mm -hmm. So this, I would just be like, bummer. 
And then next time I came to your house, I would be more annoying. Okay. You know, because I would just be like, is it, is it real? You know, and then it would be like a joke. It would be like a horrible joke. When I was eating with you, we were like, don't worry, there's no real cheese in there. Like, it just sounds annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. Like, as a vegan, I feel like people are always trying to, like, gauge my reaction, or get a reaction, or trying to monitor my reaction yeah. to things. They're and like, so, they're like, oh, I'm eating a hamburger. How much does this bum you out right now? They're like, like, somebody messaged me on an online dating thing, and the first thing they said to me was, like, would it be weird if I ate meat? Let's go get dinner. And I was like, I can't. I just can't. I just, that's, it actually would not be that annoying, but this message as a first contact is annoying. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. I, uh, I once went on a date with a guy who secretly ate a meat taco. Like, on the date? Went, yeah, he went in, he like left that. I don't really understand. I don't really remember what the circumstances were. We were at some bar and there was like a, you could get food next door and bring it in. So he was like, oh, I'll go get us some tacos. And then he got us tacos. And later on he was like, I got a meat one and I ate it before I came back in the restaurant. Is that weird? And I was like, I don't care. That is so weird. That is weirder (laughs) than if he was like, I am a grown ass man who eats meat and now I'm going to eat a meat taco and I'm going to chew some gum before we kiss <laughs> or brush my teeth or, you know, Jesus Christ. That's the thing. It's like people putting their issues on you, like acting like they need to like sneak around because you're going to get into an abusive rage. You'd be like, no, meat tacos. Like, no wire hangers. <laughs> All right. We have two more of these. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard this either. Hi, Nicole. I'm disguising my voice because I don't want to be recognized because I live in Portland and I know that our mutual friends listen to this podcast. My question is this. What advice would you give to somebody who has a crush on, I have a crush on someone and they don't like my pet. That That's basically it. It's not that they hate my pet, but they seem unimpressed. I think that means it's a no-go, right? I want to just forget about them, I think, right? Or is there a way I can get them to like my pet? Oh, their pet. Yeah, what did you think they were saying? I was like, their text? And I was like, <laughs> their cats? <laughs> I have, sometimes if you don't like someone's pet, it's kind of a bummer. Um, I think it really depends on the level of like, well, this person said that the, that the person seemed unimpressed with their pet. That's a little different than actively not liking, though, right? Yeah. I've been unimpressed by people's pets. Uh, yeah, I've been pretty unimpressed by people's pets before. Uh, now, not, like, actively disliking a pet, that's a totally different scenario, though. Like, disliking a pet to the fact where, you're, like, you don't want to be around it or something. I've been, I've, I've had that with a couple people I've dated before. One of them was a cat I kicked off the bed. And guess what? That was the last time I saw the cat because it got hit by a car a couple days later. What? And I'll always remember that when my date went to the bathroom, I was like, get off the fucking bed. (laughs) Whoa. Look at that. You're like, cat hater. I'm not a cat hater. I just like, sometimes I don't, if I'm naked, I don't want the pets cruising around the bed. I kind of get that. I get that. But do you let Ponyo cruise around when you're naked? 
No. Okay. Panya was on. Yeah, Panya was just right up in there. <laughs> <laughs> we come as a pair. <laughs> We're a team. She's supervising. No, the dog is like on the ground in her dog bed, looking at the wall. You turn it so that she's facing the wall. Wait, what was their question? So if they don't like my pet, it's a no-go? Yeah. They could tolerate your pet and have sex with you. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as it's not like this person's trying to actively harm your pet, probably fine. Great. I mean, what would you do if you were like, this is Wolfman and this is Dracula? And they were like, cool, awesome. If they say cool, awesome, I'd be like, that's what most people do. No one is as impressed with my cats as I am. Like, I'm like, look at Wolfman. Have you ever seen anything so majestic? And people are like, um, do I have to actually answer that question? I'd be like, I have, but he's very nice. She's very nice. (laughs) Well, I want everyone to go by Tomboy. I also want that. Tomboy is about your... Just real kooky gender. (laughs) Real kooky. You prefer pants. Very out there. (laughs) Very out there gender. Your life being a tomboy and talking about gender through your lifetime. You know what's been really interesting is that, you know, people that are our age or younger are kind of like, well, I get mixed reception from them, but a lot of people are like, kind of have the like, oh, I really liked this story, but it was all stuff that I already knew. But um, I've gotten some very touching letters from women who are like in their 80s and 90s who are like, this is how I felt and I was never able to express it and no one's ever expressed it to me and this is such a liberating book. That's awesome. So Yeah, it feels really good in that way. I feel like there's no book like that. Like there's critical gender theory, mm-hmm. which is a different thing. And then there's like... Yeah you know, like butch books, but that's different because that is shelved in the gay section. Mm -hmm. And your book, I feel like has crossover appeal appeal in so many different ways that I think it's reaching a much broader audience. And since you're using comics, it's so much more accessible than if they were picking up like a gender theory book. And Mm -hmm. because it's you talking about your own life, it's first person so they can feel like they're getting to know you. And because I talk about uh, battle beasts and ghostbusters, you know, people really can say, oh, a toy. I know what that is. Oh, a toy. It's very, I can, I can access this experience very easily. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was why I wrote the book was because I hadn't ever seen another book that was like it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for filling that void. Thanks for, yeah. That's why I want to do a lot of things. That's why I want to do a podcast because I'm like, I wish this existed. And I'm like, well, stop complaining. It was just an excuse to talk to me. I know. But I appreciate it. (laughs) Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Liz Prince is an autobiographical cartoonist who is the author of the books Will You Still Love Me If I Wet the Bed and Tomboy, a graphic memoir that deals with gender. She has a Patreon this year where she will send you a diary comic every single month if you support her. 
And you can find her at lizprincepower.com.